Welcome to Rebel FM, episode one, one, two, forty-four. <laughs> you just said episode two hundred and forty-four. Well, it just goes to show that not even you are immune. I'm to sorry. This. I yeah. I just needed my brain to remind me what I was supposed <laughs> to say, as, as opposed to someone it's else. It's the spirit of Anthony. Uh, I am your host, Arthur Geese. Anthony Gallegos is teaching? dead to us. He's he's being a better oh. man. I it's guess. True. I, he cares more about random people than you, is what we're saying. Correct. Yeah, uh, I'm with, okay with that. With me is Matt Chandernay. Hello, this is Matt Chandernay. And Canada's Mitch Dyer. Hello, this is Matt Chandernay. <laughs> it's the ghost of Matt Chandernay as we watch a Red Lobster commercial on Twitch. Everything is going really well right now. Yeah. Wow, this commercial looks really good. The bitrate just improved. Nobody can this tell what. Commercial. This is radio. Um, Focus. <laughs> Uh, we're recording this late because we just watched one of the greatest matches in Dota that I've ever seen. Correct. Uh, which was game one of the finals for DAC. Yeah, I don't know what stage they're in uh, now, but the group stages are over. It was Secret versus VG game one. <laughs> uh, so you can look that up if you give a shit. But that's probably the last about Dota that we're going to talk about on this podcast. I'm pretty sure Correct. a bunch of stuff happened during that game. Uh, yeah. The, as one of the commentators pointed saying. out, this is a Dota 2 game. <laughs> um, Matt. Tell us about Darkest Dungeon. All right, pause. (coughs) Matt's going to cough. I'll tell you about Darkest Dungeon. Uh, Darkest Dungeon is, like Dota 2, one of the hardest games I have ever played in my life. All right, I have to go get some water. Okay. Matt's going to leave. I'll I'll, I'll take the reins on this one. You can return, Matt. Uh, Would you bring me a water, too? I would love you. Uh, Darkest Dungeon is a 2D side-scrolling dungeon crawler that's sort of a roguelike in as much as you build up a party and then you side scrolling or overhead it's side scrolling it's 2d so it's like rogue legacy that way sort of but it's not like a platformer action game you are you know the screen is dark dungeon three to four people side by side their positioning is important depending on whether that at the front or the back of the party Uh uh-huh and then you just kind of move them through the environment you see a chest or a cabinet or a whatever a box you pop it open you get some stuff uh-huh. Uh, some of that stuff will help you. Thank you, Matt. Some of that stuff will be to the detriment of your personality, the personalities of your people. Because every character in your party has a positive and a negative trait. Uh, the positive traits being like increased accuracy, which means that their default, probably pretty low accuracy, would be improved enough that, hey, maybe they'll actually land a hit this time when you attack a skeleton monster or a necromancer. Is this a Lovecraftian? Very Lovecraftian. Okay. It's yeah, Lovecraftian it in a way is. that I like, and I don't even like Lovecraft stuff. Like, I, I'm not super into, like... It's, like, inspired by hate? without being, like, super into it. Like, there, there's creatures that you attack that are definitely humans that are inspired by eldritch magic and stuff, yeah. so... It definitely has a lot of that in there. It's, and it's also kind of that Lovecraftian time period, even though it's a dungeon crawler. And I would say it's more on the fantasy side. It has a little bit of pre-industrialism in it. Does it hate Jewish people? Haven't seen much important. of that yet. Okay. Haven't seen any of that TBD. yet. TBD. <laughs> uh, if you are Jewish and you were playing this game, it hates you. It, but it hates everyone game, equally. Yeah, this game definitely it hates everybody. It doesn't hate you only because you're 
of the no it, it hates Jewish you faith. because you have the temerity to actually try to go through a dungeon without dying so the way the the reason this game is challenging isn't so much like oh the combat's really hard which it is because your character's positioning matters it can be changed depending on the skills of your enemies which can knock yep. people back or yep. def- like surprise them like I, I is it turn-based or real-time it's turn-based. turn-based okay so you'll attack you'll miss your attack they'll attack you they'll hit you <laughs> and then it Every turn, your character's stress goes up, and if they're stressed, no, no, it's not. It's not every turn. Most most turns, there, like, there's there's specific events which make your character's stress go up. Like your your character's stress because you have two bars basically. You have a health bar which you never want to go down, and you have a stress bar which you never want to go up. And uh, if the enemies get a critical hit on you, it seems like it's a little bit random. But like certain mem- whoever gets the critical hit on them, their stress goes up a lot. Yeah. And there's a chance that your other party's member's stress will go up a little bit, too. It also seems like the deeper you get into the dungeon and the more stuff you start breaking into and the more items you find, the more your stress is going to go up. Or I mean, And this is all dependent on the character traits because everyone's personalities are different and they're constantly changing depending on how long these characters are alive. When they die, they're dead. That's it. They're gone. Yeah. It's very XCOM in that way. And this game game saves constantly there's no save you can't state that you cheat can go it you're not to. reloading the save nope basically uh, like every time you click on something it's saving it seems like so when your character so when a character dies they are dead dead and it's constantly saving to prevent you from going back because the the rules of the game are constantly changing the the, the behavior of your characters is constantly changing because their stress rate might increase based on a trait they adopt they might you know i don't know i don't know remember names but like they might acquire the cowardice trait because of something and then that increases their stress by 10 percent or whatever and then when their stress maxes out they don't like die or anything but they kind of they enter a state of okay i'm fully freaking out and i'm either going to adopt a new positive trait and i'm going to become heroic or i'm going to adopt a negative trait that makes everything even harder like i had one guy who i think he adopted the sadist trait which meant that he would not accept healing from his teammates Oh, that would God, make him yeah. a masochist, not a sadist. That was probably it. There, there is masochist, yeah. That's definitely one of them. Uh, he might have already been a masochist, but he adopted it. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like there's so many terms for there's so, so many, many different terms, things yeah. that I can't keep track of them. Positive traits and negative traits. And then the only way that you can get rid of negative traits is to put somebody... So, like, in between diving into the dungeon, there's a town stage, and you can train people, uh, you know, increase their weapon and armor stats and stuff like that. But there's other things that you can do to lower their stress. Like you can send them into the tavern to to go drinking or to visit the brothel, or you can send them to the church to meditate or pray. And all these things lower their stress and it lowers their stress more or less depending on their positive and negative traits. But there's also somewhere that's like, well, this guy's a known cheat, so he's not allowed in the gambling den, so there's no way for him to lower his stress that way. And then they make it even more complicated by there's the caretaker, who's a dude in the town, who just randomly takes up one of these slots every round. <laughs> so you'll be like, oh, I have this one guy, the only, way that he, the only way that he's allowed to lower his stress because he's God-fearing is to pray. But the caretaker is in the prayer uh, is in the prayer slot for that oh, particular round. I didn't. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, so you you can get screwed like that, and you can even get screwed while you're lowering your stress. Like I had one guy who I sent to the tavern to get drunk to lower his stress level <laughs> while I was playing. I came back from my dungeon, and yeah, his stress level was lowered a lot, but he developed a new trait. I can't remember what it was. It w- it was like it was something to do with you know being an alcoholic, but it was cleverly written. I can't remember what it was. Uh, and so now he has now he has like this new negative trait, which l- lowers his accuracy by 10, 100 percent of the time. So like this game is constantly like 
it's like you can just barely win at it. And like yeah. when you think you have it beaten, the designers have thought of a way to thwart you. Like, uh, I actually leave it up to chance because a lot yeah. of these elements are random. It's because, true. Like they're just throwing random enemies at you in random rooms because everything is laid out differently. There might be a chest in the room. There right. might not be. Even your attacks, right? Like it's all so. Is there based. loot? Yep. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's all so it's not like item driven so it's much. It's not like Diablo. Like you're uh, not yeah. playing this because you. Well, I don't mean Diablo, but like, sure, is sure. there stuff that you want to find? Yes, uh, you want to find. So the whole premise behind this is that there's this old mansion that uh, dug underneath and found the darkest dungeon, and it's uh, everything has been ruined. And so you're an heir to this dungeon that goes back and, like, sends these adventurers down to die. And they're supposed to bring back these relics. And there's three or four different types of relics that you bring back. And those relics uh, allow you to upgrade the things in your town so that you can upgrade your adventurers so that they can take on more difficult difficult missions. So there isn't loot, like, you know, uh, weapons and armor and stuff like that. The the loot is very... um, it's it's uh, it's system based as opposed to being item based, and it's very interesting that way because it's not like you don't have the same kind of motivational factors that you do through normal dungeon crawling, which is like I just want a better weapon, I want a better weapon, I want a better weapon. It's like no, I need to go find eighty more statues so that I can upgrade my sanitarium to take more than one person at a time. Everything you're doing is basically you are constantly fighting against the stream. You are always yep. Like, you're, it's just, you're fighting entropy. Yes, <laughs> because basically. I actually the my first game that I was played, I got to a point where every single character that I had was completely stressed out. I'd upgraded it so that I could have a roster of eleven characters. Yeah, they were all totally stressed out. And so I couldn't go into a match without them like constantly going crazy and like fighting each other. And then they make it even worse because when your characters like have little dialogue box stuff come up, you have to wait for the dialogue box thing to happen. Then you have to wait for the character to do their thing. Like uh, if they're going to freak out and not attack or randomly change position or steal all of the items from the treasure loot that you just opened, uh, you, it, so it makes it when they're stressed out, they're constantly saying things and it makes it more annoying to play the game because you have to wait for them to say their things. You have to wait for a pause before you can do any actions. It's really, so it's, really it's the kind of game that's trying to fuck you over constantly. It's, it's actively trying to fuck you over. And then the random variables that are in place that the devs are just like, all right, here they are. They're trying to fuck you over too. <laughs> yep. So the, it, everything is fighting against you, which is why it's so satisfying to conquer those challenges. It's yep. extremely frustrating at times in a way that like, like I describe it as like having a similar emotional arc to Dota, which is that you're having a bad time because everything is way too difficult and seems unfair but then you conquer a challenge and it's the best feeling you've ever had in your life Mitch you why don't you just admit it high. and everything in your life at this point relates to Dota in some way or another it's pretty easy to relate yeah. things to Dota at this point <laughs> yeah uh, the, uh, well I, th- I also Dark think Souls. It's, I mean, Dark Souls used to be the go to yeah. example yeah that's true Dark Souls is kind of the go to example but uh, this one I think because it's turn based because the missions are short and that kind of thing I feel like I wrap my head around it a lot easier yeah I didn't I don't need a fact to find like the super secret trick to yeah. get through this one it's stage. a very simple game one with a lot trick. of very complicated systems in it yeah like the the basic mechanics of pick a room that you're going to explore walk left and right open treasure fight guys like that's very simple 
it's just a lot of other shit that you have to keep track of yeah. and that's the stuff that is like so mentally stimulating is being aware of everything in your environment in the enemy's inventories your character's mental state all that stuff is like it's a constant like you're juggling plates that are on fire <laughs> well also and pro tip you can't grind the way that you think you can uh like after my first game where everybody was screwed i just finally deleted it and i created a new game entitled fuck you because i was so i was so <laughs> upset and then in my fuck you game like right away i knew which character that's my to username put. on several sites nice i knew that's which you char- on pornhub <laughs> <laughs> that's how those comments sound familiar i think on pornhub it would need to be like xx underscore you <laughs> underscore yeah smiley face xx or something right exactly uh yeah far too many would have chosen that um but my uh so i like when i started my new game i sort of had figured out okay here's how the mechanics work now i know i need which characters i need to send in which things i need to upgrade first and uh and so i was doing pretty well and i was like all right i got my characters up to level three now i can go take on that necromancer which kicked my ass last time and the characters are like nope that mission is too low class for me i won't go on it so it's like you think that you can like grind your characters up to a certain level and build them up and then go take on a low level mission and just stomp it like every other RPG in history has taught you how to do. No, they this game even takes that away from you. It's hard. So I kind of love hard. it. It was really hard and really good and really pretty. I'm yeah, not usually the, into the like the Lovecraftian deep ones madness <laughs> stuff. Like, is it pixel art? Is it like more it's, illustrated? It's very like hand drawn. Yeah. Very like a very very detailed colorful comic they, book. They even they even have a uh, special thanks to Clay in the beginning of it, and it does and it ha- kind of has that Clay style of huh. line art to it. It's not yeah. as like polished or clean as Mark of the Ninja, but similar fidelity. It just looks really good. The animations and the mm. visual styles really cool. Like when you land an attack, like a simple like okay basic attack on that guy, the animation of it like. Zooming in on your guy really quick, it having a big splatter of blood. It just has a camera shake. Up really has quick. a two frame animation. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, like I got him. Yeah, and when you um, miss, it's a similar sense of disappointment because yeah. it's just it feels so empty. I missed him. Yeah, <laughs> they got uh, a ton of mileage out of very little art just by reframing the image, doing some camera shake, like putting a deeper vignette on stuff. It's really amazing what they've done with their resources. Is it early access? Yes. Yeah, and it, but it feels it, like a complete game. It really does. It feels way more complete than almost any other early mm. access game I've played. Was this Kickstarter?ed I, I believe it was. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I have I to look it up, it which I will now do because they have a Kickstarter logo at the beginning of it uh, too. Then, so. They must. Yeah. I just wonder if this could be like the second really great Kickstarter game that I can think of. What would you say is the first? FTL. Oh Jesus! Yeah, my other go-to would be Republic. Mm, maybe I still haven't played that because I've been waiting for the PC Mac version. Um, it comes out this month, I think. Yep, yep. I mean, it looks things. amazing. Arguably, yeah. you could also say Broken Age. I think. Yeah, um, that yeah. definitely succeeded. But like, I like Shadowrun has its fans, but I wouldn't put that up there and wait. I love Shadowrun. Their uh, yeah. Shadowrun's new Kickstarter is like way over their over their limit. I do. It's awesome. I kind of wonder if like for them having put out now two successful campaigns, uh, like of the game. That yeah. it that will just be their funding model for additional content for oh. the foreseeable future. Well, what they well what they did for this next Shadowrun Kickstarter that I think has eleven days left and is like eight hundred percent over what they wanted. They they already said that the that their budget was already set 
for this based off the last two games and they put it up on Kickstarter just to give them an opportunity to make a bigger game. So they put a limit at and this new one is like Shadowrun Hong Kong, I think it's called. Yeah. And yeah, and so Shadowrun Hong Kong, they put the Kickstarter limit at 100k and it blew way way past that. And so Surprise. so basically their their can their Kickstarter campaign is all stretch goals, which is a really I, interesting way to do that it. That makes me nervous. I think. I think it's awesome because they're saying that like they've already funded the games themselves, the game themselves. They're just looking for extra funding to help. But the nature of it's not the project level. is fundamentally overpromising because you are promising something that you can't necessarily deliver on so by the, the nature of like, hey, you like we're asking you to trust us that we will deliver <coughs> when you give us money. I get worried about the games that add stretch goals. I get worried about anything on Kickstarter that adds stretch goals because it is notoriously difficult for Kickstarter projects to actually meet the expectations of the stretch goals that they introduce when they're successful. Well, that's um, that's another reason why this uh, latest Shadowrun one is so interesting is because they already have the base game there. You know, there's there's a lot less risk in their stretch goals than there is in a game who's starting from scratch. Sure. That's very true. Uh, Darkest Dungeon was funded on Kickstarter with a goal of 75000 and a total payout of 313000 Nice. Well, they've done backers. they've done a very good job. Uh, so Darkest Dungeon. Um, yeah. Then it's a bunch of fucking adventure games. Yeah, oh, I, man, I played yeah. Uh, the Fall, right? Uh, which I believe was also another Kickstarter. Um, you compared this to Out of This World. Yes. Uh, which it has that same sort of two D side scroller uh, look and feel to it. Like your character runs a little bit like your character runs in that game. So is it like sort of weird abstract polygonal character? No, no, it's it's very much more uh realistic in its art design. So it's more like Blackthorn. <laughs> sure. Nobody <laughs> no, fucking nobody is like an OG OG Blizzard nerd <laughs> fucking knows a Blackthorn. I remember is. I actually reviewed the That's Game Boy version of Blackthorn fucking for rock and roll racing and Blackthorn on Super Nintendo. I remember oh Blackthorn I, was like that like heavy metal dude. Like his game uh, cover it was like illustrated cover? by Jim Lee. He looked like Glenn Danzig. <laughs> Not in the GBA version, I can tell you that. Um, so anyway, so side scrolling game, kind of like flashback. Uh, yeah, Black it's Thorn. very. Uh, it has a really cool premise. You're a a combat suit with an AI that's fallen from orbit onto this basically dead planet where uh, domestic robots used to be made by this one industry, and you crash underground, and you have to work your way up through this factory. And the whole goal of your of you as the AI is you're trying to get the human that's in your suit who's either, uh, well, who's unconscious, basically, and probably critically injured. You're trying to get it medical attention because your human is unresponsive. Uh-huh. So it's um, crisis two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's really cool the way that the way that the systems work, like things get unlocked uh, story wise because it is mostly an adventure game. It has some really light action elements. Uh, that I think are very manageable. So wait, for, how is it an action game and an adventure game? Like, so it in again very similar to Out of This World. Like you have a gun that you can point on the screen, and then you use a mouse or you use your uh, uh, stick to to aim it up and down. And most of the time, what you're doing is you're aiming your gun just as a flashlight to scan objects, mm. and then later on you unlock the ability to actually shoot with it. Um, but it has, a, and so you run into security bots that you have to shoot. 
Um, but it, it's really simple combat where uh, all you have to do is hold E to cloak, which basically lets you take cover anywhere. Or you can take cover behind objects, and then it's just uh, kind of, uh, you know, like um, pop-up shooting against these guys. Like you wait for them to shoot their three their three bullets and then they leave themselves exposed and then you return fire. So it's, it's really, really simple stuff like that. Uh, and the aiming is really easy. They give you plenty of time to do it. So this game is a lot more focused on the adventure elements. So it's not supposed to be difficult. No, it's not supposed to be difficult, but it is enjoyable. Um, that's good. Cause there is a little bit of a challenge to it and it controls well enough in the context of the world that you don't feel frustrated with it. Or at least I didn't. Um, the really cool way that like so your robot hat or your AI has these core principles that you can't uh, that you can't get around and you you're talking with other AI in the world and through dialogue choices that I think always lead toward the same thing. It's not like it's a branching narrative or anything like that. So it's much more adventure game and much less RPG. Um, but the cool the cool thing is that the way that your systems get unlocked is by actually putting your uh the human in your suit in danger because that's the only way that you can get certain systems unlocked without approval of your human hmm. um which to the other ai in this in, on this dead planet um makes you appear as though you are a faulty domestic unit and therefore need to be reformatted and or terminated but you're on this world and the, it has a very everything is very very dark uh even when you're shining your light around there isn't a whole lot that you can really see at any one time it looks a lot like limbo in that regard Hmm. um but it's also dark in that something very bad happened in this world and there's human corpses everywhere and uh robot corpses everywhere serious kind of world yeah it is uh which is weird because the just the premise seems to open it up to at least some humor Right. And it has I'm some. a robot, I'm carrying a dude around. Yeah. <laughs> and it has like it has like little jokes in the dialogue here and there. And all the dialogue is actually voiced too. Oh cool. The cool thing is that when you're voicing robot dialogue, it doesn't have to sound particularly human sounding. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay if it's a little bit stiff. Um but that being said, the the one AI who has practice, I guess, over the years or centuries or whatever to sound like a human, um, uh, his dialogue is very well spoken and much less robotic sounding, and it's all really enjoyable. It has, uh, it's it's a game that seems like it was done on a lower budget, but with very high production values. Hmm. It's very so they good. didn't have a ton of money, but they spent it wisely. Exactly, they used it very Which is wisely. I think a lot of indies struggle with. Yeah, it's a really solid game design, and it's really pretty, and the sound design is great you know uh, so the difference that i would say is like there are games that look minimalist mm-hmm. and there are games that look cheap mm. and this looks minimalist it sounds like uh yeah minimalist not in terms of the art minimalist in terms of how much uh how much they were able to reuse uh the areas of the game right. okay because the areas of the game don't repeat, but you go through the same areas a lot, but it's not really that frustrating because none of them are very big. Mm. I mean, Apotheon I think... has the opposite problem. Where like, really, 
Like it's meant to look like a Greek vase painting or whatever, mm. and the, it's very successful at that. But mm-hmm. its animations are kind of clunky in that regard. Mm. Like it just doesn't. It's like a flash back. game. Yeah, of, that's actually uh, the perfect description for it. Huh. But the world looks so similar all the time that it's really hard to tell where you are, or if you've uh, been somewhere before. That gotcha. game is finally coming out, isn't it? Yeah. That game has been in every fucking pack since like 2012. Correct. <laughs> it's Jesus. also not the other super violent Greek combat game, which is the really good one that I like, uh, that I can't remember the name of. Oh, no. As, so Apotheon is not that. <laughs> or something like that? I don't know. Uh, I've always Aztecs. thought... Aztecs. I've always <laughs> thought it's really weird that Apotheon hasn't been out because every time I've seen it it's basically looked identical to yeah. the last time I saw it there's been nothing like mm-hmm. oh you added a spear or something this time I don't know whatever <laughs> um, have you played that can you talk about that at all I mean it's been at shows I don't know what I can talk about at length because I played the review build and I don't are know how much are you excited for it not really okay mm-hmm. I mean I, I haven't been and then I, I just don't like the way that game feels but it's a like a Castlevania style you know lots of backtracking and stuff like that that is god damn it it's so annoying to me that that is quote Castlevania it's style now. Okay. My bad. It's Super Metroid. Uh, I just <laughs> didn't want to say Metroidvania. Fucking whatever. <laughs> Holy shit! Secret drafted a Rubik. This is gonna be a fun game. Oh man, <laughs> I like um, Metroidvania as a word. I okay, that's fine. But Castlevania, <laughs> when I think of that, I think of something different. Um, and then you both played Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. episode, episode two. two. Yeah. And it sounds like you have slightly different opinions. You were more positive. I think yeah. it's like I don't, I don't dislike it by any it's, means. The way that Mitch described it to me sounded like it's fine. It's capital F fine. It's <laughs> no, it sounded like lowercase. Like <laughs> it's ellipses fine. Yeah. <laughs> it did a lot of treading old ground. It repeated a lot of themes. Treading from ground one. from the show or from from the episode game? one. Wow. Like oh, I saw you do this already with a different character, and now you're doing it again with a new one. Okay. Well, I think I think the thing why I. Th- so I think what you're talking about is, you know, in the first game, there's a character who dies, Game of Thrones, go figure. And in the second game, there's a character who sort of ends up with the same role. Sure. And, and what, their arc in the episode is very similar. Right. But what I liked about that is that in the first episode, I was playing it kind of like, oh, let's try to be the peacemaker. Let's try to make stuff go well. And now and, you're being a hard ass. And now I was like, no, fuck you. I'm no. the same way. Yeah, exactly. Like, lessons learned. Yeah. Let time to move on right. to this the right way. And that felt really satisfying. It was it was almost like I got an opportunity to play episode one over again, <laughs> but with like different characters and a slightly different perspective. With a bit of scorn different in your di- heart. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it felt it felt good. It almost felt like I was getting kind of a revenge. Yeah. Um, and then the all the other characters I feel like are just basically set up for episode three. It very much is like, okay, episode one happened. This is the fallout. This is everyone dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And this is where they're going. Like, it is that moment of, like, exhale. Okay, mm-hmm. let's catch our breath. Let's figure out what's going on before we kind of ramp up for the big stuff happening next. Right. Uh, I really like the new character, Asha, and his sidekick. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Partner, who was probably actually in charge. Beska is amazing. Beska. Oh, the two of them are amazing. She's this, the like, best. They're badass so cool. gay s- sellsword uh-huh. who loves whor- whorehouses. She's the best. <laughs> like, she's such a badass, and she yeah. doesn't take any of Asher's shit. Yeah. She's super fun. She's, like, way tougher than him. Yeah. Well, she they, saves his ass in all those fights. It's great. Well, and, and, I, and I don't know about you, but when I was playing Asher, like, I chose all the dialogue choices that were kind of, like, 
smarmy and kind of like smarmy swashbuckling. Yeah, exactly. And like and and Beshka, she like responds favorably to that all the time. Yes, because she's that kind of character too. So everyone was a lot of might as well just be her like holding up a pint, going hey. Um, it's just to me, it's interesting that like I like Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, me like, too. I like the show. I yeah. play for HBO in part for Game of Thrones. Um, and so a million people can watch Game of Thrones on my HBO account. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have zero fucking interest in this. Okay, like, I, I think it's because my interest in Telltale continues to diminish. So I mean, contentious points with Wolf Among Us aside. Like what? Well, that's dead? not like necessarily. No, about, it's not Telltale's fault. I know. No, but, it's not Telltale's fault. That but I feel did Bill that like Willing, Willing, is sway you at shit. all? No, I just feel like every time I hear about a Telltale game, it sounds like people are talking about the exact same game, like over and over again. That it's not moving anywhere. Uh, well, I mean, the me- mechanically, ever since you know the first season of The Walking Dead, no things have not changed all that um, much. But I actually enjoy that i'm glad like i really really like the telltale formula that they've also, been able to i don't know uh hone in on also like hearing people talk about the telltale stuff it seems like walking dead season one was the sort of sort of peak and everything else has been not quite living up to that but close yeah um, and, and i just yeah. i just don't agree thanks but, like, I've but, heard that so much, but I just don't agree. But the thing is that, like, I felt like Walking Dead season one was really incredibly uneven. It was. Uh, and that the character, the characterization was often completely inconsistent. Yeah, Kenny so, was very <clears throat> in this in a lot of stuff. And it's not just Kenny. It's, like, some other characters, too. But Kenny, in particular, yeah. Yeah. like, was a, a character that I thought was a weak point for the series. Like, it was a weak foot to stand on. I think and, The Walking Dead had so much going for it because it was... It was different. It was different than anything Telltale had done. It was a sort of a reinvention of the adventure game genre, and it was a heartfelt human story attached to a brand that people really liked. And it was a story with characters that were good. Yeah. And you don't really have a lot of that in video games. And it was so focused on narrative and not its systems that people appreciate sometimes that. to its detriment sure absolutely and that's still um, the case with telltale like so, story comes first they just happen to be putting these short stories into a video game format well so, and i that's the thing that i love so much about yeah. their formula and i'm willing to let them slide with like janky animations and some kind of goobery lip syncing and yeah. things like that like that doesn't really bother me that much um for the same reason, like, I don't know, Life is Strange, we'll talk about that soon, but mm. it's got really awful lip syncing that caught me off guard instantly. Mm-hmm. But the more I started appreciating its world and its storytelling, the more that just kind of became a non-issue for me. So, Kirk Hamilton on Kotaku actually wrote about this this week, and, and like, I don't always agree with Kirk, but I thought that he put some pretty fine points on all of this, which is that, like, uh, Telltale's games have the same problems over and over again. They don't learn from them yet. Like, they, they, it's not... I don't know if it's they don't learn. They just don't care. That could be it, too. And there are things about those games that are really fucking issues for me. Like, the fact that they all run like garbage, no matter what platform they're on. Yep. The fact that, technically, they crash, they're unstable, and also they delete save games. Yep. Xbox like, One users are having that problem now, and hey, and my save files didn't carry over. PC like users have had numerous issues with every fucking Telltale game. Like, the fact that their games come yep. together like they're on fire like like it's a house being built on yeah. fire and this isn't like yeah. oh man crunch time we got to get it done in time so we it's can just ship every it game. a month later it's like no it's done the friday before it launches uh which is insane like it's like they don't go through a qa process which is unacceptable in my opinion but like 
mostly like it's just mechanically I don't feel like they're particularly good. I I think that the characterization can suffer and that like certain actions in game are treated as more valid than others Mm -hmm. and like that can hurt them. And like, it is interesting looking at, uh, life is strange as a sort of counterpoint to this, as Kirk points out that it's pretty, like it's not an Mm -hmm. ugly game and it's not a telltale looking game. Um, and, uh, that the lip sync is fucked up, but, like the overall production values and stability are pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we got it way earlier <laughs> than we've <laughs> gotten a telltale game yep. in forever. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that it, it's just interesting to me to compare those two things because we yeah. also all, I think played life is strange or like Matt, you haven't finished it. No, I've, I've played like the first kind of chapter you know, when we were talking earlier, I was saying that I got to the p- part where she's headed to her dorm. You've left the you've left the school building. Yeah, you I've finished the, the introduction, building, basically. basically. Yeah. So I played for like I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Like well, you've seen really? The, well, well, you yeah. Can go through and read stuff. I read. Point. I read everything. Okay. I looked at everything. I did. Talked you discover to that you can like take photos and shit. No, I didn't discover that until my second time through. You can huh. take photos. It's contextual and it's based on like you discover a point like a, on a desk in the classroom before you leave. Oh, I did that. There's like a yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody carved that. Ashley's name into the desk, and you can yeah. take a photo of that. Yeah. Um. So that's the thing is that like mechanically speaking, it's very Rachel? sound. Yeah, oh. It's like Amber Rachel. Rachel, the, Amber, Amber, Rachel, Rachel Amber. There Rachel Amber. There we go. Um, like there, we'll get to the problems in a second. But mechanically, it's very sound. It controls yeah. fine. It performs great, uh, at least on the next gen consoles. The presentation yeah. is really cool. Uh, like when like she's it, listening to music, it kind of every it yes. overwhelms everything. Uh, it run, it the, runs great on my bootcamped Mac. It is a garden status fuck soundtrack, but that's okay. It's I love that. Soundtrack. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, d- I feel, honestly think there's not enough music in that game. There's five mm. songs, I think. Yeah. Which mm. you know, for and what a lot it of it's is, it's probably not terrible. Uh, I think that um, the the interface and the UI is actually pretty good. It is. Yeah. Um, I think it could be a little smoother, and I'm sure that that's something that they'll get better at uh, as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, oh. And that's oh. definitely one thing that Telltale hasn't gotten better at. No. Because like, the... Because I, I totally agree with you that the things that are still broken in Telltale games shouldn't be broken anymore. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that always frustrates me, you know, being a playing on my Mac or on or on PC or whatever, um, is like, you know, how you have to like move the mouse to like get over somebody's face and then click to punch yeah, them or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, like I understand that like they want it to make it shaky and jerky, so it's hard to do, and you can't just like flick the mouse there and click it every time, so you have a chance to screw yes. it up and miss. But I feel like there's a huge delay in just about every th- every interaction. Like if you press to the side, like it'll say like go left, and I'll hit A to go left, and like I don't see that it's registered for like a good three quarters of a second later, wow. and like that's true of all of the interactions in their games. I think Game of Thrones episode two did better at that. Like there's one interaction in particular that I loved, and I wish that every one of their scenes had something like this. Hmm. And it's uh, Asher gets punched in the face or something and he drops his sword or he knocks somebody's sword out of their hand mm-hmm. and the camera is on the floor looking up at him and the sword is sliding toward the camera. Mm. And you know like, oh, I'm going to have to grab this sword. Mm-hmm. So I just started mousing over immediately and then it lit up right when I was going to grab it. It's like perfect. Like I grabbed it while it was <laughs> moving away. Like that nice. kind of thing is great. Like yeah. I wish there were more contextual interactions that kind of had a tell. 
mm. to kind of tell like to, right. to pff, telegraph to you right that you were gonna touch that thing right and i just I, I don't feel like i'm at a disadvantage like i'm wondering what to do or where to hit uh in in life is strange i feel like it's right. doing all of that really yeah. well yeah and if you mess up it's like oh I'll go back in time and there's also that <laughs> yeah. like like and i saw some discussion on twitter about this going either way but i think that the central sort of conceit of the game is that uh, the main character can can rewind time, mm-hmm. and um, she's aware of it. And she's aware of it. It's not like an accident. She learns it. It's by not accident. a Forza thing. But like she <laughs> she does it, and that's a thing that happens to her that she acknowledges, mm-hmm. um, and that adds a very sort of grounding conceit to a very video gaming thing in those games of people like redoing decisions. And right? I went into the game wanting to hate that so much i expected like oh i'm you're gonna devalue the my decisions like I, i'm a big proponent of like hey you fucked up in far cry or the walking dead or whatever live with your decision move on as, and deal with what you did like you made your bed lie in it whereas in this it makes you doubt yourself no matter what because you choose. no matter yeah. what you choose max the main character always feels that like sense of worry or doubt or dread that she was wrong that she yeah. made the yeah. wrong call and i and i really like that because especially because you know she's a high school senior yeah and anybody who is who is a high school senior or remembers being a high school senior it's like there's a lot of doubt associated with that time in your life where this major chapter of your life is over you're trying to get into a new chapter of your you life you don't feel like you can do anything right everything no. feels awkward yeah there's 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 a lot to hope for but there's a lot to like really dread as well and uh you know it's and i think the life is strange does a really good job of making you feel like man whichever decision i do here is going to have far-reaching consequences that i just can't foresee right no matter what you pick like there's no right answer yeah right Um, and it's not like telltale uh, so it is like telltale in as much as it has a big problem that i hate in video games which is Every time you're about to make a choice, they say, this is going to be a big choice. <laughs> I, I mean, now they shit. say it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that too. But, what, but it's like every time you're about to make a major decision, they tell you, hey, listen, you're about to make a decision that you can't undo. Mm. Let me and let me live with that. Let yeah. me just make the choice. Move on. And but I, I think that it's important for them to tell you that in this because that prompts you to rewind. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like it does every time. And then no matter what you do, shit is fucked up. I just wish there was a more, <laughs> like there is a more elegant way to handle that. And it's have Max talk about it. She's already narrating everything in her life. I going by quality of the dialogue in Life is Strange. The less <laughs> we have Max talking. Maybe the better. I See, find the Max is, the least I find, I find Max the most... Yeah, she's definitely the most enjoyable person. I like her. I think Max is really likable. She th- is the least bad. Correct. That Maybe is I'm a low <laughs> yeah. I think she's likable. Like, I like listening to her talk. Sometimes it's a little silly and video gamey. Like, she's like, wow, I can <clears> rewind <throat> time and affect the world. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, but mostly her writing is okay. There's some yeah. silly stuff where she's talking about really hardcore photography stuff and then calls it oh, i'm such a photo nerd like yeah it's redundant i know you just named off 30 photographers i've never yeah. heard of god yeah. you're way into photography That's i mean awesome. it, it could be worse uh yeah. and it is well <laughs> but, yeah game, but like much fucking worse. every character in the game that's not her is yes, goddamn it's terrible oh, yeah. yeah and that was my biggest problem i gave the game a 6.5 on ign that made a lot of people really angry because they think i dislike it no i don't like i in talking to you guys about it i remember very specific things that i think are smart and important and clever and enjoyable and emotional about this game but yeah god damn every time chloe says something stupid <laughs> i just roll my eyes i'm like fucking forget about it this is dumb which happens a lot like i just 
they're so god it's really hard to get over this isn't some anime or video game you gotta get high it's been a hella strange fucking day um (laughs) and the thing is that the the thing is that like uh colin campbell on on polygon wrote about this uh about the game a a couple weeks ago and i wasn't totally sure i under i mean i understood what he was saying but i didn't know like that it was going to be as accurate as it he points out that it sounds like older men writing teenage girls Mm. um and that like that's obvious right because like the dudes making it are dudes but (laughs) it just it's sort of agonizingly dudes writing women Mm. um and i think in a lot of ways like what it's doing is laudable because it's like a game that in large part is comprised of women like there are more women sort of characters that have like speaking important roles than i would men. say that 80 percent of the, of the main characters in that game are women like i can think of four men that are in the game five maybe there's like the principal the kid with the gun the janitor who's like non right not important. the teacher the oh yeah yeah the teacher the she kind of has a guard, crush on the security guard and the, and Chloe's the boyfriend dad. the boyfriend Oh, like her non-boyfriend boyfriend? Her non-boyfriend boyfriend, yeah. 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 But there are a lot there's of women the skater in skater boys you can talk to out front. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we're, maybe we're wrong. There's, there's minor characters like the jocks, but in the dorm, yeah. you interact with like six or seven women. Yeah. And I think that, like, that's all good. I, I, telling a story about women is, is something that video games don't do very often. Yeah. They do it so little that the fact that this game is doing it is like a thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, there, and there's think, some stuff in the writing they do do well. They do well. Uh, all this stuff with Victoria, where she's being a bitch and snooty to you and calling you a slut for no reason. All of those interactions, as kind of archetypal as they are, I do buy into them like, oh, she's being really shitty to me. And it's specifically so that when you have the opportunity to get back at her, you feel kind of bad for it. Or you don't. You're like, yeah, you feel vindicated taking mm-hmm. a picture of her and, you know, giving her what's hers. But for me, it was like, ah, oh, man, like I max seems like a friendly person this seems like she would try to be friends with this person even though she was really terrible to her she tried not to be terrible yeah and uh, yeah. to be fair like you did a terrible thing to get even but you can also kind of be nice to her about it after the fact because she doesn't know that you were you did something to negatively affect her yeah uh and it's, i think it's those scenes where you it's the aftermath of your decisions that are more important than like the consequences of them like i don't care about what long-reaching consequences happen in this game i care more about like Oh man, that person was really affected by something I said or did. I and also like the thing for me is that like even when you think you're doing the right thing, it may not be the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the security guard interaction had me in like I don't know what to do. I don't know yeah. what the right answer oh, yeah. is here. And yeah, that's yeah, actually definitely. like a pretty good thing about the writing in general is that like you're not sure what the right thing to do is. And Walking Dead does that a lot too, to be totally honest. Like it it thrives on that. <laughs> yeah. But it thrives on it in a different way, which is like Every solution to this problem is fucked up. Yeah. What will be the least fucked up? I just think <laughs> well, that, like, that's just the Walking Dead ethos. Too. Right. And that's increasingly boring to me. Like when yeah. everyone is awful and everything sucks, like pick the le- pick the least shitty option. It's right. Just, it's, it's you would boring. hate the Walking Dead season. Well, two. That, right. <laughs> well, that's why that's why I got really tired of Game of Thrones. The books is because that just became so formulaic that I just knew what I was getting into and right. every single interaction. I was like, oh, well, the shittiest thing I can think that will possibly happen is going to happen. Yep, there it goes. Not surprised. Yeah, and I just, like, I get it. I get that there's a place for that, but I just don't, I don't, well, I there's, don't want there, it. Well, there's a, there's a place for that, and then there's a time where you become a cliche of yourself. And, uh, you know, maybe Game of Thrones will, like, completely... 
re- reverse what it, where I think it's going. But like, uh, and I'm talking about the books here, not the Telltale game series. Uh, the Telltale game series, I actually find more of interest in the characters in the Telltale game series than I do in in uh, in some of the books. I think Telltale gets away with that kind of stuff better for me because I buy into the character performances much more than I do in Life is Strange. Yeah. They try to communicate certain things in Life is Strange, and I think it falls completely on I its mean, face because the performances, of awkward delivery. Yeah, the performances in the Telltale games are just all really good. Yeah, and Life is Strange, they're all really not, <laughs> except for Max, which I think is fine. Yeah. But like I, the, the I like the southern dad thing. Like, I just don't care. Yeah. It's so bad. I mean, I, I like that Max says, uh, you know, like, again, with the security guard interaction, which is really, really on. So this really isn't spoiling much. She's, but she says to herself, oh, well, maybe she, maybe I shouldn't have said that uh, because he and I realize they're trying to teach you how to play the game yeah. to rewind your decision. But she actually says to herself that, like, Oh, that didn't turn out at all the way that I thought it was going to. Yeah, uh, maybe and I should try to do this other thing. So yeah. she does that a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I just I like that it, the ways that it plays the video game convention, um, but also sort of acknowledges that it's playing with video game convention. I think, mm. like I I like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it's got issues for Big sure. Time. Big um, time. It does, but I'm still really looking forward to finishing it and like. I'm really happy that there's another narrative-driven, episodic game development occurring. Right, other and than I, Telltale. Yeah. Kirk touches upon how he thinks that it's good that Telltale has competition, which I mm-hmm. think would be good, but I don't think Life is Strange is going to be like even remotely discussed in the same way. You know in what a, will be is broader... Resident Evil Revelations 2, another sweet episodic game. That is the okay, so the thing about Revelations 2 that's most worth discussing is the fact that it's not like every six weeks or two months. Like it's every week for a month. Really? Wow. There well, is it's an the game is, of Resident Evil. When the first episode ships, that game is on a disc and it's being pressed to go to sh- to stores yeah mm. like the game is done when that game ships which hey what a way to do an episodic series have right. it fucking finished guarantee that it's weekly like okay you don't need to release it episodically but hey you designed a bunch of episodes and it's structured like the story you know it alternates in such a way between these characters that it makes sense to do episodes so hey have reliable releases and boom you've got an audience that cares to play your game every single week yeah plus every time you finish an episode you unlock a bunch of raid mode challenges which are pretty good. I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't played it. Maybe I haven't played any awful. of it. I uh, like it. The more I play it, I'm not completely convinced I'm going to play through it because it's very simple. Like it's sort of linear until you have to backtrack and then you go open a door you couldn't before and then you proceed. I mean, Resident, it's just interesting because Resident Evil feels like one of the games that's like sort of the least or classic Resident Evil. Anyway, it seems like one of the games least equipped to be episodic. Yeah. Um, so, I don't but know. it's built in a very, very different way. Like, you first episode, I think, is a chapter or two of Claire and Moira, and then you bounce over to Barry and Natalia, and then it ends. Is it all uh, action stuff? Very much so. Yeah, it's yeah. it's spooky in as much as I, I don't think that game is actually particularly scary in the Resident Evil sense. Like, mm-hmm. it has a dreadful atmosphere, but. Most of the the dread stuff? filled atmosphere, I think you mean right. <laughs> yes. What did I say? Dreadful. Dreadful. Like yes. The, the atmosphere <laughs> is dreadful. Different things. Uh, <clears throat> shit. Where was I going? Oh. Uh, but most of the interactions in the the atmosphere in that game is like 
torture porny gross dungeons oh, right. blood everywhere kind yeah, of not horror. looking forward to that i'm not into that stuff really like that's not a horror i find interesting yeah me either whatever i don't know i think the game could be okay could huh? be all right could be all right <laughs> whatever i don't uh, i'm not super huge <laughs> into that series um let's see uh mitch what else did you play Nothing. Uh, I've been playing Dota. a little more Heroes of the Storm now that it's in beta. Right. And uh, you said that it's basically a different game. It's not. Than I it mean, was in alpha. It is a little bit. I mean, to say it's a different game is an overstatement because obviously it is still like a lame based hero brawler lords management thing. Uh, it's a MOBA. Yeah. <laughs> but the way the flow of a game is much different than it was in the alpha. It's called a lord management instead lord's of lords management. Lords management. Yeah. <laughs> Like Lord the Muses, the yeah. musician. Yes, yes, it's a Lord management simulator. Perfect. <laughs> it's the the next game for the makers of Kim Kardashian's <laughs> Lord management simulator. I love that. Um, so the thing that I come, <clears throat> I'm starting to come to terms with in Heroes is like I like the heroes individually. It's fun to run around as Diablo and mess stuff up and punch yeah. stuff and throw and people and they're goofy as shit which you don't typically see in those universes yeah like that it's mm. so lighthearted and having fun with itself and it, that game basically just has a big dumb smile on its face all the time it loves blizzard games as much as you and do it's <laughs> the funny thing is despite the fact that it's like taking heroes from so many different universes it still seems more cohesive visually than a lot of other the movies. art direction is phenomenal like, i mean you have the league of legends for example <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, that's Blizzard for you. They they're nothing if not consistent. Right, but the, still, this is like the first time that Blizzard has done. Yeah, they're like they're this. melding StarCraft, Warcraft, sure, uh, <laughs> the Lost Vikings. Yeah, well, it's I mean, all we, of their shit. Right, yeah. all of it. I mean, that's the thing is that like yes. Just about anything Blizzard has ever done has been derivative of something else, and they've just refined the formula. Sure, but they have you know like. Let's see. They have like 30 years of history and IP that they can draw on. There's a lot of nostalgia Come there. Come on, rock and roll racer. Like, <laughs> next year, I would bet money that there will be Overwatch characters in Heroes of the Storm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. Um, but the thing I'm starting Which to... Which is hilarious because it's a MOBA-influenced shooter whose characters <laughs> will go characters on to be put a into a MOBA. Yeah. Uh, what I'm starting to learn is when I played that game solo in the alpha... And maybe, I don't know, I played some solo in the beta and had the same problems I do now, but in the alpha, it seemed to play a lot more like a traditional MOBA, where it was very lane-focused, and then an, an objective thing would happen, you would all congregate at that objective, whatever it was, whether you're, like, collecting skulls to build a golem, yeah. or you're seizing shrines to summon a big dragon monster. And, like, that was, like, its hook, right? Like, the fact that it's simple and fast, and also that, like, there's these yeah. different objectives on every map. yeah. And I felt like the, the the phases of the game went like early laning phase objective, solve the objective if you're defending, and then go back to laning. And that's still mostly the case in the beta, but mm-hmm. I feel like the success of a team and the rate at which they snowball is entirely reliant on that first objective seizure. In, you, in claiming one gotcha. objective, you have basically won the game. It's have, snowball meta. It is insanely snowbally in the first five minutes you will see a team snowball you will see a team get an advantage and that team will invariably win hmm. every well, game i've played has been over in five minutes which, whether we won or they won to and, be fair is a lot of games and and blizzard definitely has a history of changing a lot of shit throughout the course of their beta before they get to a final release i mean yeah. they use their betas as actual betas sure and that all of this might change like the the one map i found the most offensive is 
you capture this control point, and as long as you hold it for the period at which it is available, mm-hmm. there is a laser beam in the middle of the map that will start shooting the enemy's buildings and destroying them very quickly. Huh. So without spending a moment in your lane, you can completely obliterate the enemy's lane. Wow. Which, that's some Mario Party shit. Perfect. <laughs> what do you, I don't Jesus. know what you mean. In Mario Party, like, you'll just, like, someone who's losing will, like, draw a card or, like, land in a square. That and it's will like, totally fuck you, fuck everyone oh, lose their right. stars, you win. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of shit. Imagine a blue shell, except even more random and less square. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Now I get it. Um, <laughs> um, and is... And obviously, the, the enemy team is constantly trying to contest these objectives, but in every instance, whether I'm playing alone or with a bunch of my friends, those objectives are always one-sided. Somebody has always got mm. a significant advantage, and I don't fully understand why that is I yet. I think that that's one of the hardest things to figure out in MOBAs, and that's what like is being learned. Like it's, I do think it's like one of the only really new sort of genres of game right now, and like yeah balancing these games is is like something that like is a a school of thought that's being learned as we speak they're having a harder time with it than most too because most mobas are like how do we become league of legends or dota 2 and smite (laughs) is doing a good job of emulating that by doing its own thing like having that different perspective and attracting a more traditional audience whereas blizzard is trying to attract not only a blizzard audience because they have that guaranteed with the characters and people who play MOBAs because, hey, it's a MOBA and it's got Blizzard stuff mm-hmm. and whatever. Plus, they have the differentiating factors with objectives. Um, they, they're they also building a very different game because of those objectives. Everything is reliant on them, so the laning phase kind of becomes irrelevant and it starts to feel like a different game. And they're trying to make it more casual so it's more approachable for people who aren't really into the genre. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just a bunch of different factors that I don't know how those... like. They're all pieces of a different puzzle, and all the puzzles that they go to and are really great. I but feel like if anybody can pull it off, Blizzard can, and that well, they the, will keep they trying will, until they time. do. Certainly. Well, and they're doing a lot of that same kind of uh, thought exercise with Overwatch, where it's it has a lot of elements from different <sighs> games that they're trying to mesh yeah. in a new way, and that's going to be a really difficult balancing scenario for them, but... You know, they have a really good track record of figuring this shit out. Yeah. I feel like the thing about Overwatch, though, is that at its heart, objective wise, it is a third person. It's a it's a, it's a team based shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Like then there are a lot of templates for them to borrow True. from. There. Yes. I mean, it's very comparable to Team Fortress 2 off the bat. And yeah. like but and even Team Fortress 2 was borrowing from like a decade of shooters before it. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas Heroes of the Storm is like still on a foundation that's not dry yet. Sure. Right. Um, because there are very different philosophies at play in Dota and League. They are very different games, too. I mean, they're both functionally MOBAs, but where Heroes puts you in the position of, okay, you picked Kerrigan, you're playing Kerrigan like you do in a MOBA. Overwatch is of the mind. Like, if a strategy is not working for you, change it. Change right. Change too. Yeah. Oh, you lost the objective and now you're on the defensive? change your hero like no so longer go battlefield for, that way very similar no longer go for uh, attack damage no longer go for kills start going for defense tank up get sentries start building stuff that can protect you yep and once you do that once it, that works and that wipes the enemy team boom switch back to an offensive posture right which like it sort of muddies the idea of roles which is something that in a moba is very set 
Like there are distinct, positions yeah. to be played. Yeah, and I think Heroes is sort of failing in that way because there's no, as far as I can tell, and I'm not super experienced in Heroes. I'm starting to play more, and I'm going to keep playing it because I find it interesting, and I would like to kind of fall in love with it. Maybe I will. Hopefully, it's my experience <laughs> with Dota started out this way, so who knows? <laughs> um, the role positions in Heroes are pretty undefined there are support heroes there are like assassins and marksmen or whatever you want to call them there are attack damage people there are magic damage people and there are supports supports are the least valuable characters in the entire game having heals is nice but by and large if you just get five damage dealers you're probably it seems like a game with a map as comparatively small as the map in heroes is in my recollection like having to go back to quote fountain doesn't mean as much not really i mean you hit back and you you go back you use your hearthstone you go back to the fountain you mount up on a horse because you everybody has a mount out of the fountain or you can summon it at any at any time you move more rapidly across this pretty small map so you're able to cover a lot of ground very quickly right i i also just worry that it has too much going on <laughs> at a time like there are maps where if you claim an enemy camp or like a neutral camp you gain those minions as your own so if you beat a camp of four knights the four knights come out of the camp and they start rolling down the lane with your guys in addition to that you're worrying about seizing an objective and claiming this so that's just another way to snowballs too yeah everything is just meant to stack on top of itself and and that's i don't know matches get very top heavy only a couple minutes in maybe that's not a problem because the games are 15 minutes but if the game is decided two minutes in right exactly then that's still like 13 minutes of like fruitless yeah. maneuvering on there's the also just too part. much to do in a game that's supposed to be 15 20 like these matches are supposed to be short mm-hmm. so stop giving me diversions focus but the on diversions the lanes, are what make it what it is what's that but the diversions are what make it what it is but just they get in the way i don't know it's a weird unsolvable problem i guess i mean it's just it's like a hell of their own making and like we have talked extensively about a couple of other games that have put themselves in these weird positions yeah i like that Um, it's objective based i like that it's not purely lane focused but the fact that when i play we don't have a lane focus whatsoever means nothing then why is the lane there why are we picking heroes that are supporting other heroes in lane why bother and that's like they need to make sure that every hero is useful and that's something that other MOBAs struggle with on a regular basis. Yeah. And they'll so. get there. It's Blizzard. They have basically infinite time and money to make yeah. this happen. Yeah, yeah they'll be in beta as long as they want to be. 25 million people are playing Hearthstone. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 25 million people playing a card game. Are playing Hearthstone. So crazy. Whereas Destiny has 12 million registered users. <laughs> Quote unquote. I'm consistently impressed at how many ways Activision is coming up with not to disclose how many copies Destiny has sold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the anecdotally, my friends who play Destiny play it all the time, like the way that I used to play World of Warcraft. So, I mean, it's it's uh, got a lot of the same formulaic things uh, that you know were perfected in World of Warcraft and that are totally uninteresting to me because I played so much WoW right. back I mean, in the day. it's like welcome to every other fucking MMO. Right, but I mean, I think the th- the reason why Destiny is able to develop a, a dedicated audience, even though I have no idea how large it is, is because it's probably a lot of people that haven't been exposed to those systems before and how addictive they are. It's the same reason I fell in love with the Old Republic. That how? game is straight up just WoW. Except <laughs> you played the Old Republic for like two months. 
I played it for stopped. I played it until my free 30 day trial expired. Right. <laughs> uh, but I played it for 150 hours. So news wise, it was <laughs> revealed today that the second expansion isn't coming out until like April or May. For Tor? No. God, no one like, cares what about the, Tor. What the fuck are we talking about? They that could for? like fucking shoot fireworks <laughs> in the sky spilling out when that shit is coming <laughs> yeah, out. No, no one care. Can. I was talking uh, about Destiny. Yeah, the uh, wolves thing. Uh, the, the House of Wolves, House of wolves. Uh, expansion content isn't coming out until uh, April or May, which is later than it, it was, was supposed, supposed to. to be. March, right? That was the rumor. Uh, it was early 2015, is is what it was. But it was never announced. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, people are annoyed about that. Also, they're going to release like a full on like super expansion to that game for like forty or fifty dollars in the fall. Uh, oh it was God. alluded to in their earnings call. Oh, that's right, the common mm. thing, right? Yeah. And then they'll release a sixty dollar game of the year edition in like yep. twenty fifteen. So basically, they're going to milk Destiny for a second year. It's a ten year franchise for one game. <laughs> well, technically, they've already put like yeah. four years into it. Good point. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I gotta get some out of it. Gross. Destiny. I mean, I'm sure there will be a Destiny 2 announced in, like, 2017. Well, I'm sure next year, like, when, bef- like before the Call of Duty game for 2016 is announced, they'll announce a Destiny. Mm. Like, hey, we have a lot of content coming. Make sure you get all of it I don't done know. so you can carry it over to <laughs> Destiny 2. And they're going to sell... <laughs> they'll, they'll for sure sell a numbered sequel to Destiny. Oh, yeah. Um, this, it's Based on the money like, it's wow. made, <laughs> easy. Um, I would like to play more Destiny, but like I just don't. I don't have anybody really to play with because everybody because I only have it on Xbox. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so every, you're a sucker, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, yeah, because everybody who's already playing it there is you know maxed out level and not doing anything that uh, is anywhere near where I am. And everybody else I know who's really dedicated is playing it on PS4 because like you're it's. I literally can't think of a good reason to buy it on Xbox One yeah. unless it's the only system you have. Yep. Um, because it's true. like you just get so much less content on right. Xbox One than you do on PS4. Yep. PS4 is definitely a lead platform for that game. Um, in a, in a way that's kind of gross. <laughs> like it is it is really weird the agreements that were signed for that game. Like the amount of content that's being held back on that game. Hmm. Um, is startling and it's only going to continue like a one year gap between like missions in a game that doesn't have a lot of missions is really gross in my opinion anyway uh, but I'm not going to play any more destiny so I don't really care no I I don't have it in me to commit to another big game like that like I respect that it's attracting the attention of so many of my friends but it is doing to them what Dota 2 is doing to me, where every night, <laughs> with certain people, for sure. Okay. I know a lot of people whose like, thing, capital T, is to go home and play Destiny every night with their, yeah. with their crew. Yeah, like... Um, Jose uh, and Destin and Alfredo, like they have their crew that they run with every single day. Yeah, and, and Ryan, uh, Area 5 Ryan, he, uh, he plays Destiny for an hour or two every night. He treats it like a TV show. He plays it for a while, then he puts it down and goes watches some TV and goes eats dinner and then maybe plays a little bit more. Yep. Our friends Jason and Katie did it until Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, and then they just totally stopped. Yeah. Katie came back to Dota, that's why. <laughs> well, she also just got sick of Destiny. She yeah. went cold uh-huh. turkey on it and didn't come back. Yeah, but that's yeah. a long time. I mean, three, four months isn't a ton of time to spend with a game, but when you're playing it as obsessively as most of those people were... And yeah. consistently, yeah, that's that's not insignificant. Yeah. And the shooting is good. <laughs> Arthur shrugs. <laughs> Arthur shrugs. I like um, it. 
Yeah, I, I think the melee combat is good. I don't think the shooting is anything right home. About. I was not super interested in Destiny from the moment they pitched it. It came out and re- you know got decent reviews, and a lot of the stuff that people are attracted to it is just like not for me. Like I just don't care about loot at all. Mm-hmm. I love loot. I just I just think that it sucks. <laughs> I love loot. <laughs> I love. I I do. I love that shit. I don't know. Um, Box I, quote from Arthur Geese. I'm gravitating more in my life toward competitive stuff than I am. Like, I used to spend almost zero time playing competitive multiplayer. I would play Call of Duty for the campaigns. Yeah. I still do. Bad example. <laughs> but most of my time in games, I want to spend playing competitive Dota. stuff. Well, see, playing Dota. see, that's really funny because, like, my uh, my gaming history is almost exactly the opposite. Like, I've always played, you know, single-player games and campaigns yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, I played the shit out of pretty much every multiplayer competitive game that I could from... Warcraft 1 and Age of Empires and Doom all the way up through like uh, Counter-Strike and I don't know at some point in my life I just became just not that interested in multiplayer anymore yeah I mean I could have spent however many hours becoming good at Call of Duty Advanced Warfare multiplayer or I could have played you know five different episodic series yeah and I don't know I chose to spend most of my time playing single player stuff and things like that but I don't know the things that drive me are not item based anymore i guess like i don't care about loot and building a better character over a long period of time right. when i could have a great match and have cooperated with people and you know dominated a game against other people i don't know yep. I just, that's the stuff that well that's that's I'm why i love that's why you know i you know maybe not so much over the last yeah i'd say like almost two years i haven't hardly played any team fortress at all yeah i but, miss playing tf2 but like i played so much tf2 because it just was what it was yeah you yeah they added all the item systems and the unlocks and the crafting and everything but you don't need any of that to yeah. play a really great game of tf2 i just don't have it in me to learn and become good at and care about and get people involved with more than one competitive game at a time yeah like i've I accept that Dota Two is the one for me. And I don't want to play. Totally else. A, a place in my heart for another shooter. Like I do. Um, I wonder what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Battlefield Hardline, uh, which I guess we could talk about since the beta came out. I haven't played any of the beta. Hmm. Didn't you go there to see it? Or I something? Rev- uh, we did a, a mode reveal, the VIP mode, or right. the uh, shit. What the fuck is it called? Crosshair. Know. Hey, guess what? Battlefield Hardline is Battlefield. Yeah, it's totally like <laughs> it's, it's feels good. like, like a Battlefield Four expansion uh, in the couple of maps I played so far. Yeah, there isn't anything the about it that feels like oh, this is cops versus robbers. Um, in theme, but in scale and destruction and it all just like feels the like a military feels like, it's totally I, I feel like destruction mm-hmm. is actually dialed it's down. down. Yeah, uh, like you're not shooting rockets played. into walls and shit. Like it's flatter levels. Yeah. Um, and there's like weird tonal things like, oh, guess what? You guys are the crazy meth gang. <laughs> uh, and you're shooting at the cops who are trying to bust you in a town that you've taken over because you're the crazy meth gang. <laughs> That's weird. And like calling helicopters ghetto birds. Gotcha. Like that's what like people in Oakland call helicopters a lot of the time. Like, Got it. Because we live with helicopters overhead all the fucking time. Yep. Uh, but that just... Like, it just rings sort of weird to me to hear it in this game. Um, but uh, I don't How know. Come? I mean, that just seems like authenticity in a genuine way. Because it's a bunch of white dudes saying it. I don't know. And police. And I don't know. I don't know. It just, it's weird. I don't know. Fair. Um, but it's 
Battlefield. Except yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm really excited for that campaign. Grenade launchers instead of rocket launchers. Yeah. You think Which the campaign's going to be good? I hope so. I mean, the first 15, 20 minutes of it were emblematic of something that I hope pervades the rest of the game, which is a bunch hmm. of non-combative stuff. Hmm. Obviously, there's going to be combat, but there's interactions in that game that are not explicitly just shooting people in the face. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it would be nice, an option where you can sneak around as opposed to not even having, like, a fucking melee attack in the single player. Like. You know what there is? An option to sneak around. There's also non-lethal takedowns. I don't. I doubt you can play the whole game with it, but, like, right. that stuff is there. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll know more about that soon since it's out. It's come pretty like, soon. Like 30 days? Five weeks. Yeah. Wow. Four, uh, 30 or 40 days. I saw them March tweet today. 10? Huh. Didn't know it was that soon. Then, yeah, like 40 days. Um. Well, 28 days in February. Hmm. Counterpoint. Um, Whatever. Do we... I don't think we have time for letters. It's pretty late. No. No, we started time, really late today. Sorry, yeah. everybody. No, we'll, we'll read more letters when Anthony is back. Yeah. Letters at eat-sleep-game. Send your conversation topics, suggestions, feedback, uh, all that stuff. There's the bracket. And uh, the uh, that Kickstarter that I mentioned last week, uh, we're recording on Thursday. Uh, it launched yesterday, Wednesday the 4th. And, uh, yeah, go take a look at it. It's uh, called Ultima Underworld Ascendant. It's by Other Side Games. It's just Underworld um, Ascendant, right? It's not Ultima. It is Ultima Underworld is Ascendant. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they had the Ultima brand. Yeah. Um, the uh, well, maybe it is just Underworld Ascendant. Now that I'm thinking about it. All right. Well, anyway, uh, it's like endorsed by Richard Garriott and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it's not like they're trying to fly really under the radar. No, and they're very um, open about like, hey, we used to work on Ultima. Yep. And uh, well, they specifically got the license back. Uh, you know, from EA, so nice. it's like good. They they're able to publish uh, Underworld. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, go take a look at that and back that base. Uh, Area Five did the Kickstarter video for them. Uh, if they get funded, then we get paid for our hard work. If they don't get funded, well, you know, Look at least shit. at least we had a good trip to Concord, Massachusetts. <laughs> you know, uh, but the. The game itself, actually, like, I just love the idea that it's by a bunch of ex-Looking Glass people. Looking Glass yeah. have made some of my favorite games, not just Ultima Underworld and Underworld 2, but uh, Thief, if you've ever heard of that game. I'm unfamiliar. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those things. System Shock. This is one of those things where I have no affinity for the brand at all, but yeah. I am, like, so happy for so many people that it's happening. Yep. Um, yeah, there's definitely a, a generation of gamers that are... Well, around my age, <laughs> where uh, all of those games in that brand mean, means a lot. Uh, house cleaning from last week, we talked about a Bee Gees hotel in Sweden. Oh, yeah. There is no Bee Gees hotel in Sweden. No, it's ABBA. <laughs> There's a sort of ABBA hotel in oh, Sweden. Oh, okay. <laughs> owned by the dudes from ABBA. I thought uh, that was really next weird to when you were saying museum. Bee Gees, but I'm like, okay. Yeah, he said the Bee Gees, and I was like, I um, don't think that's... I trust you, but I don't think so. And it uh, didn't even occur to me. Like, yeah, fucking obviously. Contrary to, what some people, <laughs> contrary to what some people thought about my comments on Dying Light, that was the factually inaccurate portion of the program. Yeah. Uh, you can send your letters in to letters at eat-leap-game.com. You can read my Dying Light review and soon my Evolve review on polygon.com. Uh, you can check out Mitch's work on IGN period.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mitchie D. And Matt gave his Kickstarter pitch. Yep. Uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at Talking Orange. Woohoo. Good night, guys. Good night. We love you.